0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart. We have entered the season of Lent a time when the Lord says to us, return to me. Turn away from sin, turn away from death, and return to me, and I shall bless you. Give me your fallenness, and I shall make you whole. Surrender your darkness, and I shall give you light. In exchange for despair, I shall give you hope. But you must turn to me. And in Joel, chapter 2, verse 12, the Scriptures say that the Lord calls us to return to him with all our heart. How many times have... Christine and I had a significant discussion. And she'll say, Well, I'm sorry. And I said, well, I bet. And she'll say, Well, what do you mean by that? And I'll say, Well, are you really sorry? If I wasn't really sorry, I, I'm sorry, she doesn't sound like that. <laughs> if I wasn't really sorry, I wouldn't have said I was sorry. But you see, what she's looking for, or what I'm looking for, rather, is I want to know, is she really sorry? And she wants to know, am I really sorry? And when our children come to us, Daddy, I'm sorry, are you really sorry? And so God is saying, return with all your heart. Not I'm sorry, but. Not I'm sorry because... I don't want to deal with the consequences, but because I know that you love me, O oh God. See, there's someone that I love here who's a sinner. No matter how much God calls this person to humility. Although they may walk in humility for a time, they tend to turn to pride. And although God calls this person to submit, this person so often fails to submit. Judy read to us, the Word of God says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And yet, this person, time and time again, chooses the world over the Word of God. Despite the love and the forgiveness that God has shown her, time and time again, she fails to submit. She chooses the world over the Word. She chooses herself over God. So often, she seeks to understand God's Word, but then within a short time, desires to understand God's Word in light of her own experience, instead of understanding the world in light of God's Word. Never happy. Often says that she's sorry, but then does it again and again. And her name is the church. She is the bride of Christ. In exchange for the gift of forgiveness... She goes on sinning. Choosing the world over his word. Failing to submit. And I know her sins well because I'm part of the church. Often I come before God and I find that I'm not being accepted, and then I find that it's because I've clothed myself with pride. Often I find that life is difficult, and I find it's because I have failed to submit myself to his word. I choose the world over the word. I choose myself over him. I choose disobedience over obedience. And God is saying, enough! But he's not saying, enough! I've had it with you. He's saying, enough, turn, because I love you. Enough, because I don't want to see you in this misery anymore. How's life working out for you, the way you're choosing to run it? And that's why the Lord says, return to me with all your heart. That is, hold nothing back. Because anything you hold back is going to hurt you. And I don't want to see you hurt anymore. So he says, return with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. That is, we are to turn from anything in our lives which are not of God. If God were to say to me right now, Michael, have you given me your heart? Yes, Lord, I've given you my heart. Have you given me your day? Yes, Lord, I've given you my day. Michael, is there anything you're holding back? And then like a little five-year-old, not that I know any, I'd say, no, no, Lord. I'm not hiding anything from you. There's nothing I'm holding back. But there is. I know what I have failed to surrender to God. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Y'all be quiet. (laughs) Let me start over. There's a sinner among us. She's disobedient. That's why the Lord says return with all your heart, with fasting, because fasting is a reminder that we have to deny ourselves and our desires for the things of this world in order to refocus on God. Fasting doesn't earn you salvation. Fasting doesn't make you holier than the people who aren't fasting. Fasting doesn't make you more pious. Fasting is simply a reminder that we need to shift our focus from the things of this world to God. He says, turn with all your heart with fasting. That is, shift your focus with weeping. That is, if there's anything that keeps you from me. Weep over it. And with mourning. And then he says, rend your hearts and not your garments. What does that mean? That means that all the incense that we offer to God and all the genuflecting that we do and all the signs of the cross and all the good works And all the gestures don't mean anything (laughs) if our hearts aren't changed. God does appreciate these things, but he doesn't really care. They lack meaning if we can't change our hearts. And sometimes that's the biggest thing that's in my way, and that's my own heart. Rend your hearts, not your garments. That is, in the olden days, people would tear their garments as a sign that they have changed their ways. They had repented from sin. And what God is saying, you know what, leave your garments alone for all I care, but rend your hearts. Change your heart. And so he calls us to return to him With all our heart. This morning we had mass at eight a.m. Nine of us gathered, and Father Bruce did a wonderful job, uh, presiding and preaching. And then we set out for our Mick Ministry. Most of you know what that is. We go into somewhere into our community, but usually it's McDonald's, so we call it Mick Ministry in order to greet people and to be a presence for Christ in the world. And we went into McDonald's and the woman, Anna, behind the counter said, do you want your normal uh, egg McMuffin with no meat? And I said, no, not today, I'm fasting, Uh, just just coffee. Father Bruce and I got a coffee. It only came to $2.01, so I paid for it. And as we were sitting down and talking, they were putting up signs, filet of fish 333, Fish Fry. And I said, can I have that sign? And they said, no, we need to put these up. Sorry, Father Michael. And they said, why? Why do you want the sign? And I said, because, you know, that's McDonald's responding to Lent. They know that more people are going to eat fish rather than meat in Lent, particularly on Fridays. And so that's McDonald's marking Lent. And I thought, wow, this is literally a sign of our culture marking Lent. And I thought to myself, how does the church mark the culture? How do we... As a people, mark the culture. And so we started talking out loud. People coming in to get their things. We're hearing this conversation between Father Bruce and I and the workers. And we were talking about how McDonald's was marking Lent and how the church needed to mark McDonald's and the culture. And I thought, what impact do we have? Is this it? Is this the impact that the church has made on the world, that McDonald's does a fish fry during Lent? Not that I'm against it, mind you. What impact do we have? And as I was talking about this with Father Bruce, one of the workers said, Could I have ashes? And I said, yeah, I got them in my car. Because I'm going to the fire department with them. Do you want ashes? She said, yeah, I want ashes. I said, don't go anywhere. I was just asking the question, how can we as the church mark the culture? And I thought to myself, this woman is asking publicly for ashes. So I ran out to the car and I ran back in and four workers came out from behind the counter. And they took off their little caps and told me their names. And I said, all you need to do to receive ashes is to say, acknowledge that you're mortal and broken and that you need God that you trust him instead of yourself, starting today. And they all said yes. Now, I think one of them didn't know anything I was saying, because I think she only spoke Portuguese, but they all said yes. And right there, as Father Bruce is my witness, we started imposing ashes in the center of McDonald's and the customers were all waiting in line with no one to wait on them. There was no one behind the counter, except for a couple workers way in the back, like that. And I thought, thank you, Lord, because you've given me as fallen and broken and sinful as I am, as disobedient as I am, as hard of heart as I am, You've given me a chance to make an impact. But the Lord was saying, you haven't seen nothing yet. You want to see what I can do with a broken, sinful human being? So I left there, and we walked out very calm, cool, and collected, and went outside, and I said to Bruce, And then we went off to the fire station and I went to each of the stations. And I was amazed at the number that received ashes this year. And one of the younger firefighters came in after and said, Father, 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 I didn't hear the announcement. Sorry, sorry, can I get ashes? And they all started to razz them. There's not enough ashes to pour over your head. Where's Father Michael going to come up with enough ashes for a sinner like you? How could you be forgiven? And I thought, you know what, guys? You just you just did my sermon for me. And I turned to the young firefighter and I said, "They're right. You're a scumbag." <laughs> but I'm a scumbag too, and that's what it's all about, you see. We are all fallen. That's the whole point of it. I can't point to anyone that's in this room and say, you're a sinner because I am a sinner. We're all fallen. That's the whole point of Ash Wednesday. We can't do it. We can't make it. You know, about 5,000 years ago, Hindus came to that conclusion. They said... We can't atone for our sins, so they came up with this idea it's going to take about a million lifetimes. You see, that's the human experience. We all realize we're fallen and broken and that we can't attain to God. And so God comes to us. That's the good news. So if you're sitting there thinking, I'm embarrassed, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen. I'm broken. You're right. And if you feel guilty, good, you should. But guess what? He loves you anyway. He loves you so much he can't imagine eternity without you. And then after that, I went into French Hill where I met Deacon Susie. And I was all excited and told her about what happened at McDonald's, the Miracle of McDonald's. And we decided that we were now bold, and we went out to La Patia say that again? La Patia That. And we went in. And we went right up behind the counter and called the owner by name. And I said, Selena, would you like to receive ashes? And she and another woman came out from behind the counter and in the midst of the restaurant with people all around us, they stopped cooking, they stopped everything, bowed their heads in prayer. And we gave them ashes. How about them ashes? And then as we were leaving, a woman in a wheelchair was pointing to this young girl. I say young girl, but she was a young woman, probably 24, 30. 30. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, oh, would you like ashes? And she said, yes. And then Susie said, oh, is this woman your mother? And she said, no, I just met her. <laughs> and she's saying, Get ashes to this young woman. And then I said, well, all you got to do to receive ashes is acknowledge that you're a sinner. And she nodded her head, yes, and that you need Jesus. Jesus is your Savior. And she said, Jesus is my Savior. And literally, as they were laying down her tacos, we were anointing, giving her ashes. Later we were coming back and we ran into a man that we've come to know a little bit at one of the bars down in French Hill. And he said, oh, you know, are you going to the bar today? We said, no, not today. It's Dash Wednesday. We're fasting, you know. And he said, oh, now this is a man that we've had conversations with and he's kind of told us, you know, that he's not a believer, but he finds that religion thing kind of interesting and he told us that he had been sick for a while, and we said, are you better? And yes. And it was interesting as we, we said, would you put these up in the bar for us? It's announcing our new chapel. And he said, oh yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. And as we were leaving, he said, now keep praying for me. <laughs> then I got a call. that someone that some of us know needed last rites. So we went off to um, Westboro to give June Hudnell's mom last rites. And I thought, dear God, I am so broken. I am so sinful. And all this has taken place in just a few hours. Who am I? That in your name, I can say to this frail, weak, dying woman, your sins are forgiven you. Your God loves you. There is hope. Then we were driving back. I'm sorry this is a long sermon, but this all happened today. And we were driving back, and I'm thinking about the impact that we can have on people by going to proclaim God's forgiveness in the midst of death. To praying with a man who says he's agnostic at best, who's on his way to a bar. Of giving ashes to people in the midst of Mexican restaurants and McDonald's. And as I was driving down thinking, what impact would you have us have as your church, Lord, as broken as we are, I slowed the car down and said to Susie, someone's in front of our new chapel. There was some broken, sinful man with a long beard up on a ladder with his son-in-law putting a cross on the top. And I thought what what impact? What impact will we have? As broken and fallen and sinful we are, if we can just focus a little less on ourselves and a little more on him. But we weren't done. Abutting that chapel is a house. And I received a call last night from Kathleen that we needed to go and visit that house that just about touches the new chapel. That the man who lived there, whose name is Richie, whose wife died a few years ago from cancer, is raising his two children, found his 12-year-old daughter dead yesterday in her bed. Our neighbor. Literally a house that is probably comes within six inches of our new chapel. And so we went and knocked on the door, And he actually invited us in. We didn't have anything magical to say. We just wanted him to know that someone who didn't even know him cared because God cared. I didn't have an answer for him. But we wanted to be the presence of Christ. All this happened between quarter of nine AM and about two. This is why God tells us to turn to him with all our hearts. Because he knows that the world is filled with broken and hurting people that need to know his love. Who need to know forgiveness instead of condemnation. Who need to know grace instead of judgment. Who need to know love instead of hatred. Who need to know truth instead of lies. Who need to be lifted up instead of kicked down. And God has chosen fallen, broken, sinful, often pathetic, hypocritical people like you and like me to do it. He'll do it all. All we have to do is turn away from ourselves and the world and place our heart on Him. This is what this season is about. There's many people out there. There's many people in here who need not our condemnation, but our love. Actually, they don't need our love. They need Christ's love. Amen.